BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. Hey, Julie. Hey. You're really excited to be here today. I am really excited to be here today. I love BizQuick. So do I. Okay. All right. We have Jeremy Stratton. Uh, he's going to be on the podcast today. He is a business coach and consultant and author of The Business Legal Life Cycle, which is all about uh, protecting your business, IP, legal stuff for your business, which Julie and I know next to nothing about. Sounds important. Though. It is important. And yeah. I think that one of the things that will be interesting to talk about when Jeremy comes on is just the importance of outsourcing that to somebody uh, like a lawyer or whomever who can do that stuff for you. Because as business owners, we try to do everything ourselves because we want to save a few dollars here and there. But in the long run, it probably makes more sense to do things like this, outsource this to somebody who, who is a, an expert, correct? Correct. I would argue that in many instances, and not just when it comes to legal and IP, that it makes more sense to outsource than to try and do it yourself. I think having a strong network of experts who um, focus on one specific area is a really good strategy for business owners. I would agree. Um, And there are some areas that I think are obvious to everybody, like you're going to outsource accounting to an accountant, you know, probably legal to a lawyer, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But what are some other areas where people oftentimes, uh, they try to do it themselves when they should probably just pay somebody to do it? Um, HR would be a good example. Yeah, nobody likes HR, (laughs) even HR. (laughs) Yeah, true, true, true. Um, I think there are certainly, there could be an argument made for outsourcing marketing or at least getting some expert help for a while, some hiring a coach or somebody to help you help you out with it until you really understand it. I think marketing is one of those weird, weird areas where people think that, you know, if they know how to post to social media, then they're a marketing expert. And there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, I don't know how to post to social media, but I'm a marketing expert. Well, <laughs> you are a marketing expert. Well, you are an expert in all things, though, um, which is what makes you such a great business partner. The The thing with outsourcing, though, and I think that, uh, I mean, one of the benefits and something that people don't really think about is the if you're outsourcing to a third party, if you're paying a vendor, a consultant, coach, whatever it is to help you do some work, the the real benefit to me is that that person is I mean you can just hire and fire willy nilly like assuming that you know the, there isn't a contract that requires that you give them notice or or whatever it is that it's it's not like a full time employee or even a part time employee you can bring them on for thirty days get what you need out of them and then you know tell them to kick rocks you can and and um, I like where you're going with that I would hope that most people, most consultants, most experts, and I'm using air quotes there, even though I didn't use air quotes, but now I'm going to, experts. Now I know. (laughs) Now you know. um, Hopefully they would 
have the sort of the level of integrity where they're not continuing to just bill somebody or invoice somebody even though they're not really adding value anymore right so i could i could teach you marketing and i could bill you for that Corey. but at some point you're gonna figure it out on your own you're gonna learn it and you're not gonna need me anymore so the only reason that I would continue that relationship is if you're like, look, I get it. I have a grip on it, but I don't have the time to do it. Can you continue to help me with this? But to continue most, I hope most consultants are, are have a high enough integrity that they're not just billing somebody and prolonging an experience so they can get more money. I would hope so as well. I fear that is not the case. I fear that is not the case either. Because we, I mean, we actively say we're out to fire ourselves. And so let's take yeah. Certivium, for example. And the the first service or the, you know, one of the services we offer is the customer service side of things. Mm-hmm. With the goal being, we want to get you to a point where you can just hire somebody to be a full-time employee. Yeah. And we're no longer doing it for you. Right. Like that's the, the point of that business is just kind of being that, Bridge. That bridge between being a small business and a larger business, <laughs> or maybe the bridge from being um, owner-driven business to a process-driven business. Because once you have some processes in place and you, everyone is fairly situated in their roles, it becomes easier to take on work. Yeah, and but the customer service side of things that we're doing is. Uh, we're filling, we're a, a fractional employee, mm-hmm. basically. So the idea would be to get us to the point where you, we would charge too much for it to make sense to continue to pay us, just hire somebody. Correct. And those processes, like everything's already in place so that it should be seamless when you hire that full-time employee to continue to do the work that we were doing. It should be. It should be. And I think that that's the, that's the beauty of Certivium. Right. Mm-hmm. Is it's a it's a short term solution for when small business owners are in a real pinch and they need something. Sure. And I think that that's just kind of our motto as well for our business. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, like one of my one of my favorite things about like consulting with small businesses and getting new clients and new jobs and, and all of that all the time is that it, it keeps it new. It keeps it fresh. You're not stuck doing the same job over and over and over again. It's like I get to learn a new business. I get to work with somebody new, teach them, you know, how to fly, and then kick them out of the nest. Basically, I like that. I don't. I don't mind that. I, I like the. I, I I like learning the new businesses, new industries, and really seeing how things um, unfold, and being able to offer you know quick things, quick little changes that are small but you know fast wins for small business owners so that they can start to see improvements fairly quickly yeah seeing that that light bulb go off so to speak when somebody's like oh that's a great idea yeah except for the people that are dead inside they don't have light bulbs that go off okay that's a different podcast that is a different podcast we're gonna save that yeah we'll save that for maybe that'll be our christmas episode perfect yes All right, um, why don't we take a break and then we will bring in Jeremy. Jeremy. 
so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business, their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at certivium.com. All right, and welcome back to the show. We've got Jeremy Stretton on. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Very well, thanks, Corey. Uh, looking forward to our chat. Yeah, we are too. We uh, started the show by talking about the the need to outsource, how important it is to delegate uh, both from like a knowledge and skills perspective, but also just uh, you just don't have the time to do everything yourself all the time. Um we touched briefly, very briefly, very on, briefly, yes, on the the legal and like the IP side of stuff. But we are not experts there, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm a, a lawyer um, in Australia. Uh, that I've been a lawyer for nearly twenty years, and uh, I, I really started this um, project called the Business Legal Lifecycle, which is all about making legal advice accessible to SMEs around the world. And I've expanded that to the US and the UK as well. Uh, and so we've created a bunch of tools to actually really help business owners to understand what it is they need to do from a legal perspective, why they need to do it and who to talk to. So that's, uh, and, and my big goal is to make legal advice accessible for all SMEs around the world. So uh, it's a big goal and it's something that I'm, that I'm working on um, as the years go by. That is a huge goal. What, um, what would be like, if you could narrow it down to like, you know, two or three, like the top two or three reasons that people typically reach out or the information that they're looking for? Like where do you find that most small business owners are having the most questions? So, so it's definitely around the um, startup. So the formation and what they need to do when they start um, a business. Definitely the intellectual property. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about IP. There's a lot of misconceptions about what people's rights in inverted commas are, whether they have rights or not. Uh, and the other one is uh, really around contracts. Uh, so when you're engaging with a a, um, a a client or even a team member, having the right contract in place to make sure that your rights are protected, uh, they're the, probably the three big ones that I see people fall down in. One of the, I mean, the first thing that popped in my head when you're talking about you're, you're a lawyer and you help people with the, the legal side of stuff is the Australian law is different than U.S. law or, you know, anywhere else. Like if you are trying to protect your business, uh, for a lot of people, they only do business within their own country for the most part. But when they expand outside of that, like how 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 helpful are you in that sense? Like, do you have to learn all of the laws for all the countries? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's a great question, Corey. When I first started this project, I thought the laws would be really, really different. So I have a book called The Business Legal Lifecycle that I wrote about five years ago in Australia. And uh, I, I thought doing this project would require massive revisions to those books. But they're actually not that different at a high level. So the actual implementation and how you go and implement the work and how you go and implement what you do is is very uh very concentrated based on the area and the country that you're in. But at a high level, laws are very, very similar. Uh, yeah, even even in uh, yeah, Western European countries, Eastern European countries, the, the, the broad sense of how the laws are structured, very, very similar. So it, what we've done is very, is very much translates to the different countries. Uh, and at a broad level and a broad understanding level, it's actually very similar. And, and so business owners can get an understanding of what they need to do pretty easily. And so for, you know, let's say I create a product, I 
I get a patent, whatever, here in the United States. Mm. Um, and somebody in Europe, France, copies it. You know, what rights do I have? Like, how do I, what's the legal recourse do I have? Well, that, that's where, um, yeah, we get into the, the details. Uh, France has patents as well. And uh, you can protect in, a, in the US from the people from outside the country using that patent in your country. But unless you apply for international registration and actually register it overseas, uh, then you can't protect it over there. So you need to basically uh, protect your intellectual property in the countries that you think it's going to be useful for. So patents are one of those um, interesting um, devices that people use uh, and um, and really it's, it's really country based. So if you want to protect it worldwide, then you need to protect it in, in, in every country, which is probably cost prohibitive. Is that why we see, um, I'm honestly not even sure if this is a smart or a dumb question. I'm just going to preface it with that. Is that why we see like so many knockoff products coming out of like China and stuff is because when people are getting patents, they're getting, they're just, you know, patent for the country they reside in and not an international one. And so there's really no recourse whatsoever. Essentially, yes. Uh, that That's the reason. There are treaties that then go above and beyond that as well. There are, There's a whole complicated regime around, around, you know, international patents and, and whether or not some countries do recognize them in, in some countries, but at a general level, yeah, that's why you, you can get a knockoff from an Asian country or, or any country really, because they're not, they're not bound by the patent laws in the country to stop you from, from um, producing that product. Interesting. I was just the, what, what I instantly thought of was, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, Jeremy, this will mean nothing to you, but Corey, I was thinking about Cali Keen and how he had created that, really unique and awesome fidget spinner that he literally sold for like was like a seven hundred dollars seven hundred dollars yeah. and within a matter of weeks it had been copied and a much cheaper you know two dollar or three dollar version of it was coming from asia and you know he's like I, there he had no recourse and you know i can't even imagine what it would take to even try and resolve that even if you did have the international patent but it's interesting i now understand conceptually so much easier how that happened so quickly yeah and i I mean the the one of the things that i know that amazon does which is just awful is that they'll they'll take products they'll you know they'll find a product that's selling well and they'll just create their own knockoff the amazon version of whatever it is that you're selling on their site already and there's nothing that you can really do especially if you're fighting a company the size of Amazon. Right. And then they deprioritize your product. Yes. That's why Amazon is awful. Yes, but they also deliver next day everything. They do, which is really <laughs> nice. It's such a complicated situation. Yes. <laughs> it's a complicated love-hate relationship. Yes, it really it is. is. I think we'll all agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell people, you know, think small business, shop small business, shop local, when I can think of something and not even say it out loud and Amazon knows I need it. And the next time I look at Amazon, it's on my list. Like, it's honestly a little bit scary. Yeah, it, definitely is. it, it really is. And it, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that like I try to, they, you know, they always say, we say, like, if you're going to find a product on Amazon, go find that person's website or that company's website and buy it directly from them. And, you know, it might be, you might have to pay for shipping or it's going to take three days to get there or whatever. But then there's other times, like I've gone to do that and it's like three or four times more expensive to buy it direct than it is from Amazon. Yep. You you know, there's a, there's a term for that now that's called showrooming, right? So I could go to like the physical store. This is what happens to stores all the time. Now you go to the store, you find something that you like 
And then while you're standing there looking at it, you literally look on Amazon for the product and order it from Amazon and have it the next day and you save like, you know, 50 to 60% on the price. And it's just stupid and angering. But also that is capitalism at its best. Yeah. We are Mm -hmm. way off topic. We are. Let's get back to it, Jeremy. (laughs) Let's talk more about law. (laughs) So uh, one of the, I think one of the common misconceptions and you can tell me if I'm completely wrong, that people think that if they get a patent, you're wrong. Okay. People think that if they get a patent, that they are protected across the board. When in reality, all it really does is give you the ability to sue. That's right. Yeah. So it's the same with the trademark, registering a trademark. Any of your intellectual property rights, it doesn't just stop someone from doing something. Yeah. If if you want to go and enforce it, you've got to go to court. You've got to go to court to go and enforce your your rights which is costly and you know the, the lawyer's got to be paid for the work that they do uh rightly so and so it, it is a costly process so yeah it doesn't there's no such thing as like an intellectual property right where you can just go and enforce someone to stop them doing it without going to court and getting an order for that which yeah it makes it very difficult i, I want to take a, just a small step back and go a little bit more basic for our basic listeners we have a few that are basic are you including yourself in that (laughs) i don't i'm not gonna say one way or the other Corey. um can you just sort of define at the simplest level what you mean by ip and what the difference between copyright and patent is for everybody for Corey, Corey Um, needs to know (laughs) (laughs) so intellectual property are really all of the intangible the things that you can't touch that other things are going to your property so or to your business whatever whatever that is so it might be the name of your business it might be the processes of how you do things how you uniquely service your clients or, or build your product so the intellectual property or you think about the intangible uh parts of the business and the i think it's the real value in most businesses these days most most businesses have a lot of intangible value so then there's different types of of intellectual property underneath that so you mentioned copyright Copyright basically protects you for when you create a work. So my book, The Business Legal Lifecycle, that has copyright on that. People can't copy the exact wording in that book. They can still take the idea, though. The idea isn't isn't protected by copyright. It's just the expression of the idea. So it's why someone can go onto a website, get an article that that you might have written, and then rewrite it themselves using that similar concept and, and publish that because copyright only protects the expression of the idea. Then you have patents, which protect a process. So if you come up with a unique process um, you know, to, of, of a way of doing things, then you can protect that by a patent. Uh, and then there's trademarks, which are trademarks are like the name or the mark that identifies your business, say like BizQuick as, you know, for your podcast. That's a trademark. And you, you can protect that uh, just by having that name and using that name, or you can go and register that uh, with the various government departments around the world to stop people from copying that name. So it's the reason you can't go and start a, a restaurant down the down the um, street, you know, with McDonald's in the name or something similar, because that's protected around the world. So there's different types of intellectual property. Did you read that article too? No, I was going to say, but you can't start a McDougal's. Oh no! Um, <laughs> but I want to say in the EU, yeah, um, McDonald's tried to sue um, some some business that had a very similar name in Ireland, mm-hmm. but the the surname like McDonald is common and you know Ireland and Scotland whatever um and the court overthrew it and then basically just said McDonald's has no right to their name at all in the EU so now anybody can just use McDonald's name 
in the EU. I did not see that. Yeah, I just they can't. That. Yeah, they, they wouldn't. They should. They shouldn't be able to be able to pass off a business to be the same. So they couldn't use the golden arches. They couldn't use the, the yeah. As long as the name, as long as it was distinguishable between the two, then that would be fine. It's like uh, the movie Coming to America, the Eddie Murphy classic, where I think it's McDowell's is the name. Oh, of that's the... what I was going for when I said <laughs> McDougal's, but yeah, whatever it is, yes. Yeah, and um, and, and in there. Yeah, that's a deliberate play on this concept because he has the, the golden M. You know, he calls it something different, but it's very, very similar. So, so yes, and, and this is where the law gets very, very complicated. People think that the law is black and white. It just isn't. It is. There is so much nuance. There's so much differentiation in the actual application of it that you know you could you could spend you know, years and years and years doing podcasts about all the differences around the world. So, at what point um, should a business? consider getting that legal protection, whether it's a patent or a trademark or, or whatever it is? Yeah, uh, the, the correct lawyer answer is to say right at the beginning, right when you start the business. <laughs> yes. I just think that's impractical because most businesses, you know, we're, we're recording this at the end of 2021. And, you know, for years, people have been able to start a business with an idea, a laptop and an internet connection. They don't need massive, massive amounts of capital. They don't need massive amounts of money behind them and they can start their business. And so... I think it's impractical now to say you should go and protect all this IP straight up. My view is that you should wait until you have a business that is actually operating, that you've proven the concept, you've got some clients, you've got some um, team members that are actually in there um, building the business. And in my my business legal life cycle that I've mentioned, mentioned uh, protecting intellectual property is phase five. So, And that's after you bring on employees, that's after you've had some clients, it's after you've started your business. So it's really around when you've got a viable business then you go and look at protecting this this information i will just put one big caveat in there and a big but and that is if you've got a really unique process something that is really you know game changing then you should look at protecting that with a patent before you do that but that requires a large you know sum of money to put up up front but for the average business owner you know what with what they're doing they don't have that and so they should look at only protecting it once they've proven their business model out what about the the concept of which i think has been fairly popular for a while now of more of that kind of open source right like i i'm going to give you my information for free but you can have access you can have it it's the actual work of the services or the you know that that expert experience that i have that you're going to pay for right so does that a concept like that does that minimize or reduce the need to have like a patent or anything Yes, absolutely. So, because you're giving away your information, I, I think that's a great, a great way. Or even if you're selling it, like I do with my book, you know, you you, you, you give it away for a cheap price or for free, and uh, and then you then you sell the implementation on the other side. Uh, that definitely reduces the concept. The vast, vast majority of businesses, especially in the, the professional services or the knowledge economy, don't need to worry about patents. Patents just aren't relevant for them. It's really for if you've got some sort of business process that's really unique that you need to worry about about a patent. So I would say uh, definitely some you should definitely talk to a lawyer and talk to someone to, to make sure that that's right for you in your particular situation. But I would say ninety plus percent of people don't need to worry about protecting their process because someone else is probably doing the same thing somewhere else. And I was going to ask about that, like if it made more sense for somebody who was selling a product versus a service, like people can copy what we do all day long, but at the end of the day, they can't copy me or Julie, nor should they want to. Um, <laughs> so 
the you know the idea is there that like uh, that our knowledge our our personality our brand is us so that that can't get copied realistically but if we created some sort of product that's easy to easier to copy because it's just a physical thing that is getting produced somewhere right so like is that's it is 100% it, right okay so like like if you're if you're selling a service it's something that you need to worry less about rather than if you're selling a product absolutely okay that makes complete sense. Um, well, we are running out of time. So before we go, though, um, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners in terms of, you know, like maybe a, a tip for, for anybody who, who's out there considering to get some sort of legal protection? I think that the first thing is to do your research, understand what it is that you need to do first and then make sure that you go and get advice. A lot of people use what I call the ostrich approach where they put their head in the sand and, and ignore it until it becomes a problem. Don't do that. Be proactive, go and get advice. And that will save you a lot of money in the future. In life, Jeremy, people do that in life, not just with legal <laughs> stuff. Um, is there anything that we can do for you? Um, other than people, if people can help look look at the business legal lifecycle, what we've done, uh, there's so much information there. I want to get this out. As I said before, my goal is to make legal advice accessible for all people around the world. And part of that is, to, is, is getting on podcasts, it's getting out there and people learning more about what we're doing so that they can actually uh, um, understand what they need to do in their business from a legal perspective. So, you know, if the listeners are interested, they can check us out. And, um, and if they want to share that with their people around them um that will help get the message around perfect well we will drop uh all the ways that the people can connect with you and learn more about you in the show notes and thank you for coming on the show and for sharing all the information thank you to our listeners and i already said that everything's gonna be in the show notes you did say that um if you want to work with us Jeremy or our listeners, um, you can uh, you can do that. That's what we're here for, right? Um, we have a ton of free content available, including our podcast, lots of blogs and articles in a variety of different online publications. Um, if you're not yet at the point where you're in a position to pay for our services, there's lots of free stuff out there. And if you're ready to pay, well, you can find us, connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can find out everything you need to know about us on sbpace.com. Don't forget to download and rate this podcast. Subscribe, give us a review, and reach out to us about any topics that you might want us to cover. Or if you want to be a guest, head on over to our website. Everything you need to know is on that website. It really is. Um, we wrote a best-selling book. It's called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It comes with a digital download workbook that is filled with exercises to help you grow a strong business and if you've already purchased the book, go back to Amazon and rate and review it for us, please. That is it for today's show. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America and Australia.